record now so we can get some of our most profound That's right. and theories. Uh, it all ends right now. This is Mark yeah. Dustin and Kevin Bauman, and this is our podcast, Help Is Not On The Way. Mm-hmm. And we are uh, we're bringing to, to you today a few interesting stories that we've come across that we think are worth talking about. Um, I have uh, an interesting one about a, a young... German gentleman who showed up in the middle of a of a of a little German town about a um hundred and two almost two hundred hundred two hundred years ago and uh, and uh, with mysterious circumstances and Kevin you've got something for us today right. too don't you uh, mine requires less math fortunately <laughs> <laughs> not our strong suit mine is about some teenagers who um, find themselves adrift. Very adrift, from very adrift. Yes, yeah. very both literally and figuratively. Yeah, as most teenagers, right? Someone exactly. <laughs> I remember being quite adrift myself. Yes, I think I'm still adrift. Well, I'm gonna th- I think I want to start with mine, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Because this is a really, really, really cool story. And the first time I actually came across the story was um, there's a uh, the director Werner Herzog did a a, a a sort of a a reenactment type film about this guy. It was years ago, and it's by far not his best work, but um, it's an interesting story, and it's about this guy named Casper Hauser. This takes place um, in uh, in around 1828 is when sort of the story starts, but Casper lived from uh, what we believe was uh, September 29th, 1812 until December 17th, 1833, and one day, uh, which is May 26th in 1828, Casper this boy appears in the middle of Nuremberg, Germany, in the town square. And he's looking disheveled and uh, a little bewildered and somewhat incoherent, not making a lot of sense. Um, holding in his hand with him, he has uh, an envelope. And inside the envelope are two letters. One letter is dated uh, 1812 and is unsigned but appears to be from his mom. And this letter states that his birth date, which is why we know um, September 20, uh, 29th. And um, it also claimed that his father was in the cavalry and in the army and he had died and that the mother could not take him, take care of him anymore and he was being sent away and uh, for someone else to raise. Now, was this the German military that his father was in or do we not know? Mm, no, yes, yes. Actually, okay. I think it was a sort of a, a local regiment in oh, the right. area. Yeah, I think there was some specific about it being like the 6th Regiment or something. Okay. Which is, um, which is actually a little bit relevant because um, the second letter um, is is from a person who claims that they actually raised the boy, um, and it's anonymous. And that person basically states that they 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 came across or you know discovered the boy or had the boy, and decided to teach him how to read and write and and to and, and to teach him the Christian religion. And sent him to, um, was, but this person was the one who was in theory, by, based on the letter, was sending him, like couldn't take care of him anymore, and was now sending him off to be, to some, for someone else to take care of him. And it was, and it was actually addressed to the local uh, captain of the local 6th Regiment Cavalrymen. Um, and what's interesting about that is that the letter actually said um, that, that along with raising the boy, this anonymous person, also... Uh, didn't let him, quote, take a single step out of my house, like the entire time he was being raised. That's odd. Now, at this point, now, just to make it clear, he's about 16 years old. So from birth until now, he has not, based on the letter, not been let out of someone's house, right? But he has been 
taught to read and write. Now, there's a lot of inconsistencies in the story, so you have to bear with me here because it's yeah. going to kind of jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, but the letter also stated, which which it literally said, it said the letter further stated that the boy that um uh it directed to Captain von Vessingen Vessingen um that. He wanted the, that captain who was in the town and the, and the leader of that regiment now to take the boy in to become a, to teach him to become a cavalryman like his father. Um, and it asked the captain if he wouldn't take him in to hang him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. they really cared about this boy. Yeah, well, you, you you you've taught him to read and write and raised him in the Christian religion, and now if you don't, if you guys don't, can't take care of him, you can just kill him. You can just hang him. Yeah, I, I guess times were different. Times times might have been. Were they? <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, maybe you're right. I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna be optimistic. Right. <laughs> so later, although it was determined by um, I don't know, experts of varying degrees that these letters. Were probably both written by Casper. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 This guy, um, uh, this guy may was this guy's still an enigma. Nobody really knows what happened, um, or who he was, or where he came from. But, um, but that the the connection to our story actually, or to our title of our show, actually, it starts off with a later claim that he had, which I'll bring up in a moment. Uh, the help is not a way. But in a sense, it also sort of turns into this bizarre mental health thing, which I don't think anyone could help this kid, you know, um, because of who he was. And It sounds very, you know, I mean, it would be very odd if the story that he was telling through these letters was true. It's even more, maybe more mysterious if the letters aren't true mm-hmm. and he wrote them. I mean, and you know, if it is just a big mental health thing, I guess that might explain it all well and i mean if you consider this kid's at 16 years old and he somehow appeared he did appear in this town center and he became as we'll find well known and nobody kind of went hey i i know this kid this is my kid or right. like nothing I so where did he come from right we don't know i mean he, we, don't. we don't he definitely was german um because he spoke the language but but he but that's only a sort of i'll have to get to that too because he did and he didn't speak the language but then it's based on what do you believe? So he was taken to the, cow, the house of uh, Captain von Vessing, Vessening, Vessen, Vessenig. Um, and when they sort of went, when the captain sort of like, you know, talked to him and whatever the people were around and they realized that he really could only speak a few words. He could say his name. Um, but he, but but then he only repeated over and over again the words, "I want to be a cavalryman as my father was," and then he would say, "Horse, horse." And if anyone asked him anything else, tried to get delve any deeper, he would get really agitated, continuously repeating, "Don't know," um, uh, and and then it would just devolve and it became quivering and useless. So, so probably not going to become a cavalryman. Yeah, yeah I don't think that he's probably there yet yeah. maybe he's got some growth issues to get right. come overcome if he's gonna well exactly i mean i don't know maybe they just send you straight to the front line you know well, i don't think there's a war on it well there probably was but i don't know if there's a war on at the time i don't know if they were looking dig, digging this deep right for these kind of yeah this kind of manpower and he's also i don't know what they were 16 i don't know if they took people at 16 at that point but times were different times were different <laughs> as we've established <laughs> he was taken to the local police station where he um 
he continues to uh, show a really limited vocabulary and was in, and and then so they just don't know what to do with him so they imprison him and they just call it, like under the vagabond laws and so he's he's put in prison but it's not like I mean it's like in a castle I don't know what the prison is but it doesn't sound very prisony he definitely was locked up okay. it wasn't some sort of like but they prison. didn't hang him no no yes yeah, so apparently they immediately didn't listen to the rules right. of the letter he didn't get to be a cavalryman and he wasn't hanged. But he wasn't, uh, doesn't seem to be treated poorly at all. In fact, I think they treated him fairly nicely. And um, for the next two months, he's, he's in prison there. And uh, it's noted by his jailer and some visitors that he actually seems, he's pretty healthy. Um, he seems pretty smart. Um, one person considers him intellectually in, in, uh, impaired. But overall, people kind of say, I don't know, this, this, this kid's doing okay. And... He seems to be learning at a really fast rate. Like he's learned German, reading and writing German, which again is very strange because the first letter said that, or this the letter from the anonymous person said that they taught him to read and write, but he claims he can't read and write or he can't speak, but he does uh, and can't really tell them much. And but he does seem to learn quite quickly. Um, all and has an. Quite an incredible talent for drawing. In fact, he there is at least one drawing I've seen that he did, and it was really good. Um, so he appeared he he appeared to have also no knowledge of manners, um, and he would only eat and drink bread and water during his time in prison, and all other f- foods he he wanted nothing to do with. So he's there for two months. Um, it's assumed at first that he was grown up sort of half wild, uh, but as it, as he as he begins to open up and starts to you know get maybe get his language back or bring his language out and things like that, he starts to tell this really, really, really bizarre tale. He tells the people that, again, not really in line with the letter, he tells people that he actually has spent, from from, from the, the, his earliest memory, he has been held in a really small cell, like so small that he wouldn't even be able to stand straight up in it. And it may be about a meter wide and maybe two and a half meters long and he's been in this cell in the dark pretty much in the dark for like all his whole life as long as he didn't remember chain i believe his chain to the floor too and and um every morning he would wake and he had a straw bed and every morning he would wake up and there would be bread and water next to his bed um and he would sometimes drink the water and it would taste weird and those nights he would sleep like super hard and then when he woke up his straw had been changed and his hair had been clipped and his nails had been clipped wow so, like he's being drugged. Yeah. Right. So this is the strangest. Like maybe they considered him a wild animal, kind of, you know, almost. And the only way to take care of him was to lock him up and drug him to take care of him. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Or maybe he's making it all up. Who knows? Maybe he's making it all up. Well, that and 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 that does come up a little bit later on because, you know, you know, people start. What's weird about this story? One of the strangest things about this story is that. People believed it, and for a really long time, like people kept kind of, kind of believing what he was saying. And instead of asking the questions like, "Well, if a human being was in a box and a like all of their life with no sunlight, wouldn't there be health issues? Wouldn't they be deteriorated? Wouldn't they not have like muscular structure right. and not be able to see?" And then, the, and then the whole conflict with the letter that says a different thing, but people seem to kind of want to go along with this, hmm. you know, or at least some semblance of it. They, Basically, it seems like people wanted to know, were interested, and even though he would say things that were conflicting, they didn't seem to mind because they 
seem to chalk it all up to some sort of mystery that they were excited about and could get involved in. People were bored, maybe. I don't know. It wasn't yeah. a lot to do. I mean, it is an interesting story either way. It is an interesting story either way. You're absolutely right. So he um, he also claims that um, the only human being during this entire time that he saw was towards the end of his imprisonment. And that person revealed, revealed themselves to him um, and began, but, but didn't reveal their face and began to teach him how to write his name by holding his hand and writing it with the pencil over and over again. And then also teach him the phrase, which he didn't know what it meant, but he was taught how to, to say the words, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was. Um, and, and, then, and then taught him to be able to stand upright and walk because he's been in this, right. presumably he's been in this cell for all this time. And now all of a sudden he, can, he has to be able to learn how to walk. Which again, you know, atrophy, legs would not have had the muscular structure, et cetera, et cetera. So it sounds a little bit wonky, but people kind of went with it. Um, and, and it seems like any combination of these things are plausible. Sure. Like the letters could be written by somebody else and still a lie. Yeah. They could true. have been written by him and be true or a lie. That's true. You know, everything could have been made up or a combination of made up and true and well and, and 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 I guess that's probably what people were doing. People were probably being generous to the fact that this kid has been through something and we don't know what it is and whatever he's doing here, we don't know what we should probably. I mean, I guess that's giving people credit. That's yeah. probably what the intention was, you know. They are the adults and they're trying to help and Sure. you know. So after being in prison for a couple of months, the uh, the town of Nuremberg adopts him. And takes charge of him and decides they're going to, like, assign him a house to live in and be educated and things like that. And um, and along the way, of course, this this isn't a local story. This story spreads internationally. I mean, this story becomes news. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty substantial worldwide news. It's a very interesting story and very, you know, people were into it. So he becomes something of a little bit of a star in, in his own, like, in a, in a sort of celebrity kind of way, <clears throat> but an infamous sort of like you know I guess sort of a um, reality TV kind of uh, kind of star you know. So um, moving forward, he 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 oh and also as the stardom starts to as this sort of celebrity starts to rise, he sort of seems to start to really like it and kind of like be drawn to it and try to and be start acting in ways that try, and trying to draw the celebrity back to him right? right so he seems to like be this is starting to evolve here he's kind of digging this notoriety he's digging it yeah he's digging it um so on october 17th 1829 he is staying with this teacher named Frid- friedrich dahmer and um he is found and he has and he doesn't come up for lunch or something like that from his room and he's found uh, in the basement of the house, bleeding from a cut on his head. Oh, on his head. On his head, and he claims that he has he was he was actually sitting on the toilet, and a hooded man came in, um, and said to him, "Quote, you still have you still have to die ere you leave the city of Nuremberg," and then the man hit him on the head with something, wow. some sort of like. Uh, uh, device, and he says, Casper says, interestingly, that the, the voice of the man was the same voice as the man who taught him how to write and walk and dropped him off in Nuremberg. Mm, that is 
totally crazy. And I mean, maybe he was always in Nuremberg. Right. Nearby. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he, well, I mean, he wasn't walking more far if he had like wonky legs. Right. Yeah, he just learned how to walk, and he walked like just you know, hundred miles or something. Could have walked any short distance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in theory, he probably was nearby, and 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 that actually, so so later, this actually is a good point because that incident fueled rumors that were had already begun, and the rumors state a couple things someone thought that he was royalty in hungary or something like that then they came up with this idea of him being english royalty of some sort or from england but um the the, the most substantial rumor was that he was the illegitimate son of um uh charles the leader of the the, the royalty local royalty from the house of baden i forget the guy's full name it's um and uh, and the rumor is that the that he was the legitimate hereditary prince, um, because the, the the legitimate hereditary prince had been born around the same time, sixteen years earlier, that Casper would have been born, but had died or said oh. to have died a month after birth. Well, the rumor becomes that Casper is the actual hereditary son; that another child was put in his place to, that had died, and. Um, and that, but the uncle who would have inherited the throne, except for Casper being the next male heir in the way, the direct blood related mayor in the way, um, would have to, you know, the uncle would have concealed Casper, substitute another child who had died for Casper and put Casper in this, in this, in this little dungeon and kept him there. Wow. So no, I like could have the power, the uncle, uncle Lewis, I think it was. This conspiracy theory is much more fun than the other ones I was coming up with. Yeah, yeah. I like this. Yeah, it's you sort of like if you it sort of like speaks to like if you put if you start mold, putting the clay into the hands of the people, right? They can mold one heck of a great story. Yeah, this is it's getting pretty interesting. It's getting really interesting, and um, and so now of course now Casper's been attacked. This is changes the landscape. So he is taken to the local authority. He's at the teacher's house, but now he something has happened to him. So. They take him to this to this teacher's house in. Um, uh, they take him from the teacher's house and they take him to the uh, the police. Escort him to um, um, another local authority who's more of like an authority authority guy. I guess I don't remember. Like or I don't know what this guy's sort of title was, but he was not just a teacher. And he's a lot. He's given a police constant police escort, like a cop with him all the time. Wow. So they're taking this. This is a credible threat, they believe. They figure this happened, and there's yeah. all these people talking these rumors, and it might be he might be royalty. They don't know what's going on. So they they take steps. And now he's living at this um this uh, this local authority's house, and he has somebody there who's a police, you know, sort of like a police type person, keeping an eye on him all the time. Well, one day. April 3rd, 1830, which is kind of a little ways after. Like, we had, nothing's happened in a while. Um, 1829, October 17th. So I guess we're talking about, what, six months later or so. He, uh, he is, Casper's in his room, and a gunshot goes off. The escort, the police escort, runs in and finds him all alone on the floor with a wound to his head. Like a, like a superficial wound, but a wound nonetheless. Hauser later admits that he had been standing on a chair trying to reach an upper shelf for something and fell. And when he fell, he swept down the wall and knocked a pistol that was like a, you know, novelty pistol, whatever, on the wall off of its off of its cradle 
When it hit the floor, it went off and shot near his head and grazed his head. It's true. This really <laughs> happened. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's totally crazy. It's totally crazy. It's totally crazy, which actually, yes, it's very crazy. The incident, um, which which is interesting about this, what, what's interesting about this, which is starts to, with things start to unfold here, is that the incident, um, which similar to the previous incident where he is hit on the head, happens to coincide with Hauser having recently had conflicts with the people that are looking after him, his wards. Mm. And they begin, they're beginning to um, catch him in lies and believe he's being deceitful and believe he's making like extensive excuses for things they've seen in his life that they don't like and maybe even having arguments. And so it seems when these twice recently, when these, these two things, these two major things have happened, something has welled up in his life where people are starting to not believe him. And so a very dramatic thing happens to him which shifts the paradigm in, in everything and in the, in, in the, in the perspective. And all of a sudden, he's now moved to another house or he's now, people are giving him sympathy. People are worried right. about him. He's a center of attention. He and they're the center of yeah. attention again. The attention is taken off of the Casper lied. Look what happened. He got hit right. in the head. This happened. A dramatic thing happens. So people are becoming disillusioned with him at the same the people that are closest to him right but at the same time dramatic things are happening and the public and other people or officials who who aren't there to see what these other what the actual people who are housing him see are starting to right. see you know, they jump in and try to help so this story continues and um about three and a half years later Things are beginning to unravel. He has been sent by another uh, um, um, sort of a, another benefactor. He is who wanted to help and who had some money. He was sent to Hungary to see if he could um, recognize local architecture or anything rang a bell or whatever. And when he was sent there, um, uh, he didn't he didn't recognize anything. He didn't know anything. And the, the the this lord who sent him there in an attempt to try and actually help this guy gets word back from the people he sent him to this hungarian earl or duke or i don't know who kind of like showed him around that they 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 thought he was a joke like they thought this he was so melodramatic he was very theatrical he was he was just seemed to want attention all the time he was very overt and uncomfortably so they just kind of was like this guy's this guy's a joke so Things are really unraveling for Hauser. And at this, at this time, his main patron um, who dies. The guy who's more or less been like feeding him, keeping him alive, paying extra money to make sure. Because, you know, you know, there are people who still believe all of this. And he's got benefactors, but they're all beginning. They've all grown weary of his deceits and his excuses and his tendency towards all this theatrics and his seem, seemingly schemes to draw attention and things. <clears throat> so he's becoming desperate. Things are starting to really get weird for him. And on December 14th, 1933, Casper comes home um, with a deep wound to his left breast. And he says that he'd been lured to a location by someone claiming they would reveal to him his true story. He met this stranger um, who handed him a small purse and then stabbed him. Yeah. Yep. I, so uh, is this a deep wound? Or is it like I think it's deeper than or? it was intended oh. to be. 
Okay. Yeah, it's a deep wound. It's a deep enough wound because Casper dies. Oh. So when the police search the garden, um, he will die shortly after. He dies three days later. When police search the garden where the meeting took place, they find a small purse with a small with a note inside, which is written in reverse. All the lettering is written in reverse. So you have to like hold it up to a mirror to see what it says. And um, and the note states that Casper, uh, that Hauser himself will be able to tell the authorities what this man looks like, the man who met him and stabbed him. Um, and this is the person writing the note is the person who stabbed him and says, Casper's going to be able to tell you what I look like. And, um, and he'll give you a lot of information about me. But then it gives all these indications of where this person is from. But it leaves gaps, which presumably would be filled in, like like lines, which like this is I'm from the t- town of, and near the Bavarian border, and there's a line, which way presumably Casper would fill in, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's kind of like you know, choose your own adventure or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, just yeah. sort of like Casper's gonna. I'm not gonna. Casper doesn't have to say all these extra three words to tell you that I'm, but near, you know, to tell you just the he all he has to do is say this town. He has this color beard or whatever the heck it is. That's right. all he has to do. And the guy leaves him, uh, leaves his own initials uh, on the on the letter. Well, Casper dies of his wounds three three days later, as I mentioned, and um, and which I which I think pretty much is it's it's universally decided that was not what Casper intended. Because inconsistencies in Casper's story, people start to say realize that you know he oh he also was. Like he he was inconsistent in in his story throughout. He was always inconsistent, but he also um, went. He he was very excited about them finding this purse. But when they finally found the purse, because of course he dropped it when he was stabbed and stuck right. at home, uh, he wasn't particularly interested in what was in the purse. Yeah, I know. And then and then in the letter and in the folding of the letter, all things that like there were there were things that Casper said that were. Um, like misspellings that he was common, commonly made and things like that. So it was a court of inquiry basically determined that Casper probably stabbed himself, probably in a bid to reignite the attention around his story and to maybe secure a new patron. And 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 um, that his that his death was was probably the result of an unintentional of him unintentionally stabbing himself too deeply. Which is and the the whole thing is is amazing and crazy. It is. I mean. So he's, he's he wrote the note backwards. He wrote the note backwards, right? And I mean, it everything about it is bizarre. And well, you have like, to think of the. I mean, this is somebody who's. I mean, I don't know if some education certainly smart, but who realizes that the jig is up, right? But at the same time, before that, he spent. He's pretty good at. He's figured out that this seems to be working. Like every right. time I kind of like throw some dramatic fit, uh, people my fortunes kind so of come he, back to me. He could have, with maybe a little guidance, um, he could have been a politician or a prophet. Yeah, or a I mean, Hollywood he, producer. Or, yeah, a cult leader. Sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all I of these all things, really this this kind of personality and this craving of attention and manipulating people is very, very valuable. I think as his, I think if, I think as his, I think you'd have made a good high school guidance counselor. <laughs> your real strength here is your, your crazy ability to manipulate people yeah. into believing your you know, absurd Casper, stories. You know, I've been, I've been looking through your folder here and um, here's some job choices. What do you think about politicians? That's right. Prophet? Prophet. Cult leader. Cult leader is a good one. Cult leader. And as I said, I'm not going to rip, I don't, I'll only say it once. It's a hard job, but Hollywood producer. My That's friend. right. Consider it. 
consider this leader of men leader <laughs> it's so what a crazy story and um yeah i mean it's it's interesting because it's kind of outside of what we've done so far but it fits the i mean nobody was coming to his aid no. presumably if if any of what he said was true in fact you know, people were trying to get rid of him well, or shut him up. I think you're right. But what I'm thinking equally, you know, when you're somebody who, who's, you know, in, in, in what I, and what I believed, um, I personally believe, and I think a lot of people believe there are still some skeptics and there's, a, and then the Herzog documentary seems to be a little more on the side of he was actually the son of royalty. But uh, as I recall, but like, but in this case, I mean, you're thinking about somebody who help, this person cannot be helped. They can't be helped because I mean I guess if there if 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 there was a psychological evaluation to the level of maybe today's right. ability to psycho psychoanalyze somebody and people saw him for who he was and what he was doing maybe actually learned about his past maybe he could have been helped but this is the kind of person the kind of personality uh, structure that 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 cannot accept any type sort of sort of a um, maybe. Uh, a narcissistic, um, um, sociopathic right. mentality that 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 can't nothing can be done for this person. I mean, you know, the the help that he was given was here's some room and board, and right. here's a police presence for a a presumed outside threat. When if the threat was inside him, police presence wasn't going to help. right. And that, and exactly that. And when I say he couldn't have been helped, that that is because he wasn't diagnosed. There's nobody, right. nobody could yeah. have or were, was able to get to the bottom of before it all. And was over. I wonder, you know, with with the time that that this took place in, uh, is it just that people don't know about these kinds of things? There wasn't, you know, uh, a deep psychological knowledge, or people didn't care or he had just convinced people enough that they didn't really consider the possibility that the guy has severe mental issues and that's I, the real I think problem right. i think there's a, i think it's a combination of all of those things because i think if you it, it's 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 likely that this type of diagnosis didn't exist yet it's likely that um that he was a good enough liar to get along the wrong the, you know he would have had to have been in front of the right people it's I think that people honestly were trying to help him. It was a very interesting story, but he honestly seemed like somebody who needed help. Um, and he was more than happy to take that help and, and, and benefit from it. But I also think, you know, to, to give people some, you know, that's all stuff to give people credit. But I also think that, I mean, even to this day, a good story is a good story and people right. will latch onto it and they'll put whatever they sort of want to on it to. I mean, it's a good story. I want yeah. to hear how this plays out. And and the actual personal element is sometimes a little less important than than whether the story plays out and, and if you interested. and if the public is adding to the story. Yeah. You know, that's rumors. that just drives it further along. And also it can make it so that people can look at the story and ignore the reality that this guy needs other kinds of help. Sometimes help isn't really help. Well, and, and 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 you're right in saying that because think about this. Now all of a sudden if the local politicians who maybe maybe they all knew right away. We don't know. These guys right. might have all been sitting around going this guy's a fraud. I don't know. But if all of a sudden the populace picks this up and says, "Hey, this guy might be royalty." Yeah. Well, you can't now be that guy. You can't be the guy who went, "Ah, 
Yeah, yeah. This guy's if, a fraud, and then find out no, actually, he was the son of the House of Baden. He's the prince. You can't. I mean, even if you think this is all hokum and ridiculous, if like half the town's talking about it, you yeah. got some political. If pressure. Nuremberg is saying this guy is, you know, royalty, he's been kept in in uh, you know captivity for most of his life, and then you're like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. You're not going to be such a popular That's person true. anymore. Yeah, especially if you are like a local authority. Yeah. So he. So he, so he actually is. Um, um, he actually has a statue in uh, Ansburg, uh, Ansbach, Germany, where um, and his and he was buried. And his headstone reads, and I love this. His headstone reads: "Here lies Caspar Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown. His death mysterious, 1833." And then later, a monument was erected in the court gardens um, where he was stabbed. Uh, and it's still there to this day that reads that reads here lies a mysterious one who was killed in a mysterious manner. That is that is pretty cool. I like it. Would that be yeah. pretty cool? Yeah, that's that's better than the, you know, the monument for uh, Birkin. Wills, right? <laughs> Wills, though, yeah, the, the previous one we did. Well, well, is, if they were a, honest about that one, it would have been like, here lies, you know, two people who failed at their whatever. Whereas this one's jobs, honest. Failed miserably at their yeah. jobs. Um, what's interesting about this, though, is that is that it also could equally have read in truth. Here lies a complete fraud. Right. That it, it, you know what you know how this this is one of those stories that we've told in the past. We talked about that is basically somebody who kind of gets recognition for having not done anything of significance and in fact maybe done the opposite. Right. Whereas somebody else could do something extraordinary and because of circumstances just be another, they don't get any recognition just be a yeah no statue yeah so he so you know a, a lot of so the, obviously people a lot of the the post death and, and 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 there's been obviously studies and conversations about this since and people have said things from like well obviously he didn't grow up in this dungeon he claims because he would be cognitively stunted he would be all of the, the physical ailments um and many people just believe that it's so incredible that anyone believed it from the get-go, right. you know, uh, even got to the point of the public even being able to read into it. Um, but mostly he's considered to be a, a, a pathological liar and a swindler and also possibly having been suffered from uh, Munchausen syndrome where, yeah. so Munchausen syndrome, as you probably know, it can be Munchausen syndrome or Munchausen syndrome by, po- by, right. by proxy. And if it's Munchausen syndrome, you tend to fake or create illnesses in yourself so you can get attention but but the actual and if it's by proxy you do it for to somebody else that's but, right but the actual or origin of munchausen syndrome um which is named after baron von munchausen great terry gilliam film the adventures of baron von munchausen is all a, is actually not physical which typically is how it manifests itself it is more um it is it is a mental illness and a syndrome that is in, in his case, in potentially Casper's case, and in Munchausen's original case, is actually to tell, you know, these these fantastical tales and to really embellish storytelling and things like that to that way gain attention. Oh, no, and this would fit perfectly. And it's a less common version of Munchausen syndrome, but that's that's uh, one of them. And I think that this that he could fit that perfectly. Unfortunately, he died. He died too young for yeah. us to know. That is a fascinating story, Mark. St- don't st- imagine like stabbing yourself is. Yeah. Stabbing yourself is not easy to do. Stabbing yourself too deeply. I yeah. Stab. I don't. I don't. I can't imagine. 
Don't but, do that. I mean, he this this guy was serious about his his story. Yeah, if was, if that is indeed what I think he needed this one to pull, he yeah. needed this to be able to milk this one for. He was a getting while. desperate. Yeah, big yeah. time. Now, now that is then. This is a fantastical story. It's almost, it's almost otherworldly. This story, but I think that you have and this because being of eighteen uh, to twenty-eight and on, etc. But you have a story with us today, Kevin, that I think, uh, from what I understand, is a little bit more timely. Yeah, this is this is a more current story, and uh, this story begins in Tokelau, which is a South uh, Pacific island. It's technically a um, territory of New Zealand. The entire um, nation has a population of about 1,500. And in this particular atoll, it, it's, a, a, it's a series of atolls, is a, Atafu or Atafu. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. This yeah. is where the story really begins. And it has a population of about 541. So this is, you know, one third of the nation lives. This is basically a coral reef. It's a coral reef. The highest point is about 18 feet above sea level. (laughs) And being a coral reef, there's no real soil here. Yeah. So really, um, the only thing that really grows there are things like coconut trees. Right. Um, And... And ideas, from what I understand. Ideas. Hatching ideas. (laughs) This is, it's an interesting story because it's so similar to the stories of teenagers, I would guess, around the world. Yeah. These three boys, um, two 15-year-olds and a Uh 14-year-old, they are, you know, um, bored on this island, very small island, that they claim one of them claimed on facebook he called it a hell one <laughs> called it a prison uh they the, which, which by the way and i and i and i and it sounds more prisoner-esque than you know where i grew up or maybe where you grew up but like that's as you sort of say that's pretty much what any teenage boy or yeah girl we might were say, like whatever, always how do we town. get out of here this is yeah. so boring but in this case they actually live on a soilless heap right pile of coral hundreds of miles from anything you know so yeah and not you know like if you live in the middle of iowa 100 miles from something else you can get a car and drive to that something else but when you're in the middle of the ocean you don't just you know you don't just jump on a boat and go like you know it's dangerous their prison is a little more prisoner prisonery than for instance it doesn't seem like the adults necessarily see it the same way but Hmm. i think that's often the case right people move to places like where we are and the adults move there because they're looking to get away yeah and the kids like, are like get out of here what the heck this is this is the worst yeah there's nothing to do here as you get older so oftentimes people start to realize that the fewer people are some people start to realize that the fewer people around the better we're that's but right as you're younger and you, you're everyone you meet is another experience and explosive ideas and are coming out of you. Yeah, yeah. The it's, more, it's the more better. Prison. And this, uh, most of the people on the on the island fish. That's you know the how what the what their uh, you know economy is based on. This is their their diet uh, has historically consisted of fish and coconuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. In modern times, they've started getting shipments of food, a lot of junk food. They oh. now have, you know, uh, an obesity epidemic, diabetes, things like that. They're just, 
you know, eating a lot of it's so Cheetos fascinating and, because they literally live in a place where all they have is coconuts and fish. And I mean, there could pretty much be an LA diet. Yeah. That, exactly. that would look like that. They could but market this. They instead, because, because, and it's not uncommon. It's, right. It's not there. It's common. Instead, you know, it's like living in the, the, in, you know, sort of like the, um, in farmland in America, Wisconsin or something like that in rural farmland and, and in growing all the food and yet the food you eat is not, not healthy, the stuff that you And th- there's these three boys. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell a little bit about the boys. There's Philo Philo. I think it's Philo Philo, Philo Philo, F-I-L-O, F-I-L-O. It's uh, not uncommon to have the same first and last name. I like it. He's 15. He was big and strong. I like, like it with my name. Mark, 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 mm. Marky, Marky. Don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Philo wanted to play rugby for the New Zealand All Blacks. He's a big guy, strong, good at rugby. He spent most of his life in Australia, but he was uh, sent back to um, Atafu because he was getting into trouble and hanging out with the wrong kids. Mm. And so he gets an opportunity to go yes. away, and then he puts and he acts like a dummy and gets himself and sent back yes, to his and, prison. Well, mm-hmm. I guess that's not Samu, uh, also big and strong, also like rugby, had never left Tokelau. And basically, so this is a common thing. On Tokelau, somebody has to look after the elders, and oh. that was his job. He was left, his whole family left and went to Australia, and he had to watch after grandma. Ooh. Yeah, rough. Um, and then Edwina, Edwina, uh, he was a much smaller kid. He's 14. And he, uh, when, when asked what he wants to be, where the other two said rugby players, he said a surgeon born in New Zealand, uh, went to school in American Samoa, but you know, uh, lived on Atafu as well. Now they're sitting around on, I think this is October 3rd, 2010. Mm -hmm. They're in the little clubhouse with the other teenagers and they've got a bottle of vodka. Oh, as, yeah. as all good or slash bad stories begin, right? <laughs> For teenagers, right. alcohol is involved. They're passing the... Uh, no stories the, worth telling. Right, exactly. They're passing the vodka around. And uh, they start talking about this other group of kids, uh, some other teenagers five or six years prior who had gone off in a boat, gotten lost, and were found five days later by the ferry. Oh. Uh, oh, like the ferry that goes over to New Zealand. Or the ferry forth. that goes between the different atolls. I'm, the I'm not exactly so sure. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the adults think of that group of kids as fools. Right. And they were very mad, and they, were, they punished them sub- substantially, apparently. Now, these kids, though, saw them as heroes. Oh, yeah. So that sounds familiar. They started the Latin. The talk begins, and... Um, Teenagers around the globe. Yes. Let, like, every we're all the same people. Yep. And, and one person comes up with a dumb idea, and another kid is like, that's great. great. And a third one is like, yeah. Once you, let's got a, do once it. you have a quorum. Right. <laughs> then, the, no matter how bad the idea is, it suddenly sounds good. Hey, I think we li- we're living there. We're yeah. living in that right now. I know. Let's do this. 
<laughs> they, uh, <laughs> How can we make this worse? Exactly. Let's double down on what we clearly realize has been a bad idea from the start. Yeah. Just throwing good money after bad. I guess, I guess it never ends, does it? I mean, as as, a, as adults, as leaders, as entire countries, we're constantly throwing hey, good money after hey, bad. Hey, remember that real bad idea you had yesterday? Yeah. I'm gonna get. I've been. Th- I, I'm gonna take that bad idea and raise you two more bad ideas on That's top right. of it. And then, I mean, at a certain point, you reach maximum bad idea, and it becomes a good idea, right? right. Well, let's let's continue let's because find out. because um, what you're talking about there, which is like bad on bad idea on top of bad idea, followed by bad execution, <laughs> makes for a really good story. And I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to make light of what, what happened to these guys. Now, they, let me just say they survived. They live. They live. Okay. It's amazing. But it was. So it's a good, so it's not, so it's a, it's a story of like tripping over your own shoelaces, but you, but you, but in the end they're okay, which is good. Tripping thing. over your own shoelaces after you tied them together intentionally <laughs> and put a blindfold on right. and then di- it's decided it's to ro- walk down a rocky, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hillside. And got drunk on vodka. Right. And drunk on vodka. <laughs> so they. You know, the, the story, they, they start, it, it's becoming serious. They're, yeah, we're going to do it. Well, you know, the kids that aren't quite as dedicated to this bad idea start to bow out and they're like, ah, I got to go home. So eventually it's just a couple of boys, uh, Philo and Samu. But then Edwina chimes in and says, I'm in. Yeah. So the, oh. it's the th- these three decide they're doing it. And kind of the idea is let's go steal a boat uh-huh. and we'll go just, we're just going to head for one of the other atolls. And, you know, the worst thing that happens is we, we get lost and somebody finds us a couple days Because it happened before. And so why wouldn't they yeah. think it could happen again? Right. So yeah. they decide uh, to steal Samu's uncle's fishing boat, mm-hmm. which is a very small boat. These fishing boats are low. It's only the top of it's only 16 inches above the mm, water. Mm-hmm. It has a 15 horsepower engine. Mm-hmm. They're going to go out in the ocean with a 15 horse. And this is like, I mean, this is the equivalent of two people rowing. Yeah, I think yeah, you know yeah. in 15, power. Yeah, trolling for yeah. trout or something like that. I mean, it's you. You probably would never, as a fisherman, never take this out in bad weather. Yeah, you would yeah. only take this out when you know it's going to be good and you're going to go out for a half day and you're going to catch a bunch of fish and come back. That's yeah. what it's made for. It does have some uh, one good feature, which is that it has these pontoons built into it that are filled with air so it does really help it you know if it was capsized or whatever it's probably not going to sink that's good so they have that going for them uh but they don't know that they they, didn't think of this they just i doubt this out yeah they weren't like hey let's think of what's the most seaworthy boat because based on what they do i'm thinking that never crossed their minds um they kind of separate themselves and say, okay, we each got to go get different supplies, you know, for this trip. So they get 20 gallons of gas, mm-hmm. oh. one tarp, okay, 29 coconuts, one ceramic teacup. One ceramic teacup. Yes. Yeah. Um, two packs of palm oils. It's not a gong. Right. Not a gong. <laughs> two packs of palm oils. Palm oils. <laughs> right. And that actually right there tells you how much they, ex- I mean, I don't know how much they smoked. But it's not going to last long, right? Between them, three of them, right? They didn't even get a carton. No, they figured this is going to be a day. Yeah, two days, day <laughs> and a half. Right, one one jug of vodka. So they're they're bringing more vodka. Yeah, these two, guys have don't seem to have much trouble getting a hold of vodka. Right, vodka is the one thing that seems really easy to come by as teenagers. Two bottles of milk, one jar of water. 
Nice. Yeah. So you get more more the, vodka and milk on than, the open ocean than water. Than water. Right. No fishing gear. Edwina was supposed to go get some, but he was afraid of waking people up, so he skipped it. Right. So yeah. they are not only going out with very little water, but they have no way to catch food. And plenty of milk, which 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 that'll that'll keep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they had they had only the clothes they wore, which were shorts and t-shirts and sandals. No one had a hat, Excellent. and no one had glasses. Excellent. So no sunglasses. Excellent. Now I don't think there's a teacher, a high school teacher in the world, that's listening to this that is in in any way in all like even right. surprised. Well, it, I mean that's how I am. You know, we get out there and um, we're hiking and. Alexander's like, uh, Dad, did you bring any water? Like, Seriously, dude, I told you to bring water. Right. I put the water yeah. on the counter next to your sunglasses. Oh, I forgot those too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. not surprising. Right. They they head out, and as they're heading out, you know, they're they're yelling, they're screaming, they're chanting, they're saying, you know, hey uncle, we stole your boat. And they're just screaming these things. They got primal screams. You know, there's a call three wild and crazy kids heading uh-huh. out for an adventure. Um, drunk. Oh yeah, and they continue to drink until yeah. not hydrated. No yeah. food. They one by one they no start beds. to kind of get real sleepy and tired, and they all pass out. They're, now before they pass out though, they're driving and um, they decide to follow a star. Oh. They don't know which star or which direction it is, yeah. but follow a star. Okay. I don't know how they think this is going to get them that to another atoll. Star is going to. I mean, is the star in the direction of the atoll? I don't think they thought of this again. You know, they're drunk. They're teenagers. There's no no planning whatsoever. So they pass out. They wake up in the morning. They can see no land and no stars. So they can't follow the star anymore. They didn't. They they thought so little about their plan that they didn't think about the fact that the next day it will be sunny out. They're doing. Yeah, they're doing. <laughs> there are there are seagulls flying around, so they decide. Well, that's a good sign that they're going to follow the seagulls. Yeah, stars, but seagulls. Did they they realize seagull the seagulls fly erratically and sometimes just around in circles. Yeah, you only you following the seagull is, is probably following you because it thinks you have food. Well, and also following the seagull is only useful if the seagull's going home. Right. Especially when you only get 20 gallons of gas, which you probably burn through half of. And so if the seagull's not going home, then following the seagull's a bad idea. The seagull can fly a lot further than you can drive. It can also just land on the water and float while it wants to take a rest. That's true. I mean, you can't do that. So um, they, uh, let's see, let's let's kind of, the first few days here, I'll, I'll just go over how. Oh, now uh, how many, they were out there for a while. 51 days. 51 days. 51 this is day days. one. Yeah. Now, there's lots of other people that have gone out and been in boats for long periods of time. But in, in an article in Outside, the author goes over some of the other, you know, uh, expeditions that have gone awry. Mm. And these people have, the other expeditions have much more to their advantage. Bigger boats. Right. Fishing gear. Yeah. They're not gone as long. Right. They have food, whatever it is. These guys have nothing. Have nothing. Nothing. So day one, um, well, I guess it might have been the first night. Edwin I has already lost his shirt over the over the side yeah. of the boat. So he is as now shir- shirtless. As you do. Yeah. Uh, day to me all two. The time, just walking along. Right. 
Where's my shirt? Yeah, where's the shirt? Yeah, where'd the I, shirt go? In the morning, they realized they couldn't follow a star, as I mentioned. So, you know, they just kind of start going and to where they don't know. But they're actually running the motor and driving in a direction. Okay. An unknown direction. Committed. Right. I mean, they could just be making things worse at this point, but they don't really know. What difference does it make? They're not too concerned at this point. They're still thinking it's a pretty fun adventure. They uh, find out that most of the cigarettes are wet. There's six that are dry, so they smoke all six. They're out of cigarettes now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the boat, because it's so low, waves keep going over the side. Mm -hmm. So when they, whenever they have to sleep, they're sleeping in water. Yeah. The first night, when they wake up in the morning, that water is up to their ears. Oh my gosh, salty (laughs) seawater too. Yes. (laughs) Right. So as as we'll find out, this. Sleeping in the water is not not a good thing mm. day after day. Yeah. Um, Ask a trench foot in uh, World War One. Yes. It gets pretty bad. It gets ugly. On the third day, a plane flies over. And it is a plane that's looking for them. Oh. Because the elders on the island are like, uh, the, you know, Where they're the gone. We need, to, we need to go search for them. Where's my vodka and my milk? Now, the plane, it turns out they... they with all the bright sunshine and the waves and the silver boat, they don't see them, the even though they fly right over. Yeah. Now, Edwina is trying to flag it down, but the other two boys make fun of him and, and tell him, yeah, he st- so he stops waving. They make fun of him. Yeah. Fantastic. Because it's not been long enough. They've decided that two days is not, you're not going to be heroic for two days. Excellent. Lost. So the they just assume the, the plane will be back, you know? What? What what's fascinating about the story, and I know we're going to hear so much more about it. But what fascinates me about the story is that all of this happened, and if and if they hadn't made it, we wouldn't know. Right. We wouldn't know that the boys made fun of Edwina while he tried desperately on day two, and they were like, "It's not been long enough." Right. Stop. And then, and if they hadn't died, or if they had died, I mean, I'm sorry, if they had died, then we wouldn't know that that one right. kid yeah. tried desperately, and the other ones made fun of him. And we're like, we haven't been gone long enough. And then, of course, it would have eventually been too long. And they'd that, be like, oh, we should. That's why to carry out such a bad plan, you need more than one person, right? I think, generally. Generally. Because somebody will always think of something a little bit smarter. And then somebody else has to put, you know, quash that right. idea. Like, yeah. hey, um, I was thinking maybe we should follow the path towards, you know, where we know the hot dog stand is. Or, you know... Follow the route of the guys that have all the supplies. Yes. The will- What's equally interesting about this, though, is that you also have to have somebody who comes up with an idea that's even dumber. And then they have to be better at arguing or more in, in leadership role, better at arguing their dumb idea. That's right. Somebody has to. Right. Because otherwise the person would be like, no, you're an idiot. I'm going to wave this plane down. But you have, but you have such incredible powers of persuasion Let's just sit down in the boat. Right. Well, he was the 14-year-old. The other right. two kids are bigger than him, yeah. older. Um, day, let's see. Um, on day four, um, they are out of gas and water. Yeah. And they have 11 coconuts left. So right. in the first three days, they've gone through, what, 18 coconuts? Mm-hmm. Okay. So at this rate, they're not they're not going to um, you know have much food. Yeah. Day five, they're down to five coconuts. Um, so they're really going to run out quickly. Day six, they have four coconuts left. Taking their time on the coconuts, which I guess is what they're starting to think ahead. They, yeah, on day five, they're thinking, we're only eating one coconut. We got to split one coconut. One third of a coconut a piece. A day. 
and they're and they're out of water. So all they got that day was the coconut milk. Wow. Uh, on day four, besides being down to four coconuts, they've also realized they've made a big mistake. Uh. Um, and they finished the coconuts. Yeah. So day six, they have nothing yeah. out of everything. Day seven, they start drinking seawater. Great idea. Which they know is a bad idea. Always a good idea. But they can't, they just can't help themselves. You have to. One one yeah. guy wants to drink it. The other ones are like, bad idea. And the guy's like, I'm doing it anyway. And the other two are like, yeah, so are we. So, so are they we. all drink seawater. Bad idea. Bad yeah. ideas and bad ideas. Bad ideas. Now, despite the the stormy weather that was forecast, it doesn't rain until week two. Uh-huh. So they're out of, they have no water other than seawater for several days. Wow. And it's sunny. It's hot. They're getting sunburned. Ooh, They're starting to blister. develop rashes. Oh yeah, from sleeping in the water in water, the sun. Sun. They start. So they use the the tarp to catch uh, rain, and um, then they share it. You using that one teacup. Oh my goodness! Now there's like flakes of skin, and the tarp is decomposed. You know, coming apart. Um, so it's not nice water, but it's better than seawater, yeah. I guess. Now, the the awesome thing is they find three more coconuts under the tarp. They they're, didn't see. They didn't never lifted the, the tarp they up. They never looked around the boat they're in enough to see if they had. Well, I guess it was. They're teenagers. You know, I'm always told, did you look in the cabinet? Yes, I did. I took <laughs> I did everything out of cabinet. it. It wasn't in there. Did you? Did you And really? Shelby goes and looks and it's right here, Kevin. Did it's you right really? You didn't look. So. <laughs> I get it. They're teen. I'm I'm 48. They were only 15. <laughs> the coconuts are soaked in gasoline. Perfect. And cracked. Yeah. But great. They eat them Didn't anyway. Seawater, gas soaked coconuts. Why not? Yes. Now they, uh, they can see a lot of fish because as as the boat moves through the water. I mean, they're just drifting because yeah. they've run out of gasoline. They they're just drifting, but the fish follow it but they're in the water and they can't get them. Uh, they have no fishing gear. Uh, birds come and go and plenty of things. To yes. Eat. But yeah. they can't get any of them. They do end up eventually catching some fish and it is fully um, just uh, coincidental. Right. And it's because the boat is a poor choice of boat for this conditions that waves come over the edge of the and boat the and occasionally drop a fish in there. So they do get what they think is maybe a baby swordfish and three minnows. Wow. That's what they have to eat for an entire month. Oh, my goodness. About seven bites apiece for one month. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so insane. They are really in bad shape. You know, I mean, they're, they are severely dehydrated, uh, malnourished. They're, their bodies are starting to consume themselves. I mean, uh. the muscle is just atrophying. They're yeah. just looking like, you know... Pretty soon they're looking like human human skeletons. Uh, eventually, you know, they're they're catching the rain in this tarp, and eventually, uh, Samu accidentally hits the the ceramic teacup on the side of the boat, so it breaks. So now they don't uh, even have a cup, so they just have to drink straight out of this whoa. this tarp. I mean, you know, the teacup, yeah, the teacup. That's the 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 end of manners. That's just, right. <laughs> all the delicacy is gone. They are starting, I mean, very, very they are poignant. really, they're really starting to, talk, talking about manners, they're really starting to 
uh, lose it with each other. I mean, they're in a small boat. They have nothing to write with, nothing to read. They've probably talked about everything they could possibly talk about. And all they can do is sit here and stare at each other in this tiny boat. And as you stare, Edwina starts to look a lot like a a chicken dinner. Right. (laughs) Well, so eventually... (laughs) they Slowly... Starts to turn into a roast chicken before your eyes. Now, and and at this point, before they start talking about things like killing each other. um, They do? With the frustrations of sunburns and rashes, they throw all their clothes over the side. Excellent. So they are completely naked. Perfect. In the sun and salt water. And they, they, you would think like just, you know, put... Put the clothes under the under the bench because when the sun comes out, you might want to put a, a wet t-shirt anything over your cover, head or something. Yeah, I don't know. You, yeah. Well, uh, I is just pretty much starts to think about things like I could take the motor at night, tie it to my foot, and just jump overboard and end it all. Right. This is he. He curls up though into a ball and just lays there. For weeks, not talking or moving. and Why move? Heck, he's probably doing the best for himself. He's conserving all energy. And Samu is angry that he just lays there and won't talk, won't respond to them. So he decides, he just jumps up and grabs their their machete, which is all rusty now, grabs a Dweenai and puts the knife to his neck. And he, you know, he's so mad, he's just going to kill a Dweenai. And, uh... Edwinai at this point decides, I don't want to die, you know? Yeah. So now he's changed his mind. He's not, he's not going to kill himself. Edwinai, or Samu drops the knife. He doesn't kill him. But later on, uh, when Edwinai is sleeping again, Samu and Philo talk about killing him. Oh, yeah. And um, they never do. They Nobody never kills do. anybody. And at, at one point, um, Edwinai mentions a, uh, a quote from MLK, which is, we must all learn together... We must all learn to live together as brothers, or we will all perish together as fools. There it is. Yeah, right there. And they do. They 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 stick it out. They hang together. They uh, they one day they catch a bird. It lands, Ooh. and one of them is quick enough to they grab it. Machete. They they dry it in the sun, and then they eat everything, including the bones. Ooh. Crush up the bones and eat the bones. The bone marrow. And protein. It. You know, and then it rains and they get some water and it's a good few hours until it just makes it worse because they've had just enough to make them realize how, how hungry, hungry they, they really, really are. are. Uh, they start, they get so desperate, they start to eat the wood of the boat. Whoa, that's desperate. That's desperate. Yeah. And they, Samu and Philo will occasionally jump into the water, but only... They really they just climb over the edge and lower themselves uh, in to cool themselves off. Yeah. But one day Philo sees a crustacean on the bottom of the boat, so he lets go to grab it, and of course the boat drifts away. He's too weak. And he's so weak. Yeah, he can't swim back. Samu, who's outside the boat as well, sees this and somehow manages to swim, pulling the boat all the way back to Philo. Which is really quite something at this point. It's pretty amazing, yeah. actually. I mean, it is. I mean, you're really talking, okay, we're making fun of these guys because they really shouldn't be out there. Right. But, but at the same, and they made a lot of decisions that, you know, to get themselves there. But at the same time, we have to give them a lot of credit. I mean, not only did they not, you know, they, they, they looked at this situation 
and handled it the way it should have been handled. They they started down the wrong path a couple times, yeah. but when it really came down to it, they looked after each other. Yeah. They didn't eat the little one. And, That's right. And they started to figure out. Uh, and they, they they pulled up a Martin Luther King uh, um, uh, quote and 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 lived by it. And good for them. Yeah, I mean they uh, they end up on the fifty first day, um, the San Nicunau finds them. This is a boat. I think it's a fishing boat. They drifted more than 750 miles and, uh, they, they can't believe it. The one, 750 uh, miles. Now one of them pops his head up and says, yes. And I think it was Samu and he had been known to say, oh, there's a boat. And everybody would look, and it would turn out oh, to not. Oh, that's so, so rude! So, that's awful. When so they're do that not believing him that there's a boat. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And sure enough, now when this boat finds them, uh, they see a boat, this little boat, and they say, "Oh, yeah, it's one of those just random boats that you find drifting for Blows. some reason sometime." Some, some and then they see an arm pop up, and they're Whoa. like, "Oh my gosh!" And then when they get there, this emaciated naked boys standing in this boat amazing and they do uh they they take them out they are severely dehydrated they have fungal infections second degree burns they're anemic they have elevated heart rates muscle wasting and widespread infections of course they they are sent to a hospital in fiji where they spend uh, a few days and then they they end up um staying with a, a family in american samoa and one of the funny things about this is you know, at one point they they just give up. They're thinking we're dead, and they start praying to God. Sometimes saying, "We'll be good boys. We promise. We won't do this again." Um, you know, as as I think God knows this at this point, right? Yeah, you guys. <laughs> but but what's funny is they end up in American Samoa, staying with this family, and they immediately start lying to the people they're staying with drinking beer and smoking drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes so they've they don't last long when will we learn and 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 asked you know about kind of like the profound meaning of this trip they don't really have anything to say about it yeah now none of them scared straight i don't know i mean i think they're still teenagers yeah, I mean, you're you know, right. Teenager, they're they're teenager, resilient and always a teenager till not you're not a teenager. That's right. Yeah, they none of them uh, at the end of the story. None of them live on uh, you know at Atafu anymore. Um, they've all moved elsewhere. Two are in Australia and one's in Hawaii. Wow. So uh, apparently, uh, Sam, um, the one does not have to watch after his grandmother anymore. And the youngest one, uh, did he did he become a did a become a surgeon? Did did Edwina become a surgeon? That I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'd have probably known if he had. Uh, it's you would why. think so, right? You'd think that would have been mentioned somewhere. But you know, I mean, this wasn't up. this wasn't that long ago. So let's see, the, uh, could still, still be working be on school? it. He could still be working on it because if you're going to become a doctor, ten, you said this was. Yeah, and they he was fourteen. Oh yeah, so he'd be twenty four now. He'd he'd probably be in medical, medical school, school right now, now probably yeah. for another eight years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these boys are total teenagers yes they are actually de- they they are the definition of teenagers teenage boys it, they're the definition of teenage boys it's crazy because i you know on the one hand i want to laugh about it and just talk about how, how how many dumb decisions they made but on the other hand i can see myself in there in some ways i mean 
I didn't live on an island nation. I sure. didn't, you know, but I could see hatching the plan. I don't think <clears> I would. I might have done the plan, Kevin. I might have tried the plan. I know. I would look. I had plenty of dumb moments. Yeah. In my life, where I'm thinking later on, that could have turned out really, really bad. I was just lucky sometimes that it didn't turn out right. really, really bad. I find it really interesting the fact that if you were to, if if aliens were to land on planet Earth and and they were to ask like, how do you define a teenage boy? You could just hand them this story, right? And it would like give you about fifty, maybe sixty percent of not maybe even more like the, the personality of a teenage boy, right? You take away sort of like the the chasing the the interest in girls and. Um, Maybe that's all. Yeah. And this is pretty much most te- a, a wide swath of teenage boys. Right. I mean, imagine if they were up in um, Alaska or the Arctic or something. It, you just change the boat out for a dog sled. Sure. Or a snowmobile. Yeah. A snowmobile with not enough gas, yeah. you know, or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. And it would be exactly the same, same thing. story. And, and interestingly, though, because we, we talked about Casper Hauser in advance of this, not a teenage boy. Right. And that, I think, is where you define... the. What's what's insane here, though, Kevin, is that these teenage boys are probably, and I don't know them, and I don't mean to say that because I don't know, are probably considered to be like normal, mentally healthy teenage boys. Right. Whereas Casper Hauser, who has this fantastical thing and does something completely fantastical on his own and different, is mental is a ment- mentally probably a mentally ill teenage boy. Right. Yeah. And yet, I mean, much more interesting in a sense. No, no offense to the to the three boys. On sure. Toll, but um, much more interesting in a sense. But truthfully, uh, more unique, right? Because this is not unique. It's exactly as you just said. It's it's a it's a fantastical story, and thank goodness they survived. And I hope that they later in life find some sort of depth to what happened to them, right? Whatever. But at the same time, they are not unique, right? It's they, a unique story, and they can really tell their kids when they grow up. <laughs> No, that's a bad idea. Right. And I've done it. Take it from me. Right, take it from me. I don't know a bad idea when I hear one. (laughs) Take it from me. That's right.